all the seeds that were planted, even though they didn't seem to be sprouting at the time, gave a fertile or a foundation that did bloom in its time. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudoua, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Okay, Andrew, part four of a four-part podcast. It's taking us almost a month to get through all this content. How long does this take you to talk about the four deadly errors in a conference talk? Well, if you have one hour, then you do about 14 (laughs) minutes on each one of them. I see. Well, we've we've had the luxury of spending a little bit more time, and I like to think of myself as being in the listener's chair. And if the listener were able to be here in this room, they would be asking the same questions that I'm asking you. So here we go. Deadly error. So we're talking about the four deadly errors of teaching writing. And if you've ever committed any of these deadly errors, you are in good company, right? (laughs) (laughs) So deadly error number one was or is? Overcorrecting. Overcorrecting. Okay. And then deadly error number two, withholding help. And that's actually personally my my biggest angst. I want to make sure that the kids have enough help. I want to be sure that my people that I supervise have enough help to do their job well, you know. And I want to make sure our teachers and teaching parents have enough information to be able to teach writing well. Which is why we have these podcasts. Well, not only that, our whole customer service department and our web, our webinars, Mm -hmm. and uh, we do believe that we should never withhold help from teachers and parents working to use our materials. Right, and uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to support them. Exactly, exactly. And then the one we talked about last week was unclear assignments, and I wonder. Here's my question about that one. Is writing in particular an assignment that can be unclear as opposed to other disciplines like math or history or foreign language? Well, I think for, in most people's experience, it can be a lot fuzzier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't have the experience to know what the finished product is kind of supposed to look like, right. how do you get from here to there? Right, right. And so there's, there's a lot of that kind of floundering right. around. and. You know, I think that's why so many people, especially those with a kind of maybe more math and science background, immediately look at our system Mm -hmm. and say, ah, models, checklists. This is clear. I can communicate it. I I can see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I can teach this. Yep. And in every course that we offer for students and for teachers, there's always work samples that they can look to to say, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, and Webster was so big into samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he would teach, he would have student samples, he would write samples, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time he would spend, you know, 
talking about a particular unit, you know, up in Gruard, mm-hmm. he would basically just be reading a written composition and kind of commenting on yep. how this student did this technique or how this structure was applied yep. as he would go through. And uh, I found that very, very helpful. Yep. Just It's super concrete. You can understand it by example so much better. And uh, so I think we do better when we think okay, don't just tell, show. Right. Let's walk through this together. Let's mm-hmm. experience it together. Right, and that will give every student a better chance of success, and they'll want to do it again because children like to do what they think they can do. <laughs> and again, we're back to that. Let's talk about right. motivation, and, but and not today. And teachers like to teach what they can teach well yes. and get good results. Exactly. And so we know a teacher who likes teaching writing is likely to get more writing mm-hmm. and better writing than a teacher who is frustrated by the process. Right, right. Yeah. Going back to overcorrecting why teachers don't give writing assignments. So this is all just tying together. So let's jump right into the last of the four deadly errors, which is over-expectations. Over-expectation, yes. Um, it took me a while to kind of understand this. I think in this particular case, parents are more susceptible Hmm. to this error because teachers have a little bit of perspective and that they have exposure to many more children over the years or decades of teaching. They're less emotionally attached, Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of often get a chance to specialize in a particular age or grade, so they understand that age or grade better, whereas parents... You know, you get one kid come through, and then you get another kid come through, and they're different. And But they're all brilliant. Do you know that about 80% of the parents who call us asking for help with their children have gifted children? Sure. I mean, I'm kind of joking there, but you know. Well, it's it's Garrison Keillor and Lake Wobegon, you know, <laughs> yeah. where all the children are above average. Yes, exactly. Um, but, but that's a good thing because, mm-hmm. of course, all children are very brilliant. Mm-hmm. They express that in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I have noticed is that parents tend to hit a point where something that used to be kind of cute isn't cute anymore. Mom and dad, it happens when they're seven or eight, just warning you. Well, no, that's when the cute starts in terms of writing. Oh, in writing, right. Right? <laughs> but the other things. No, 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 no. I, so... You think about it. Anything mm-hmm. a nine-year-old writes mm-hmm. is cute. Okay. You're happy. They wrote it. That's true. It doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but they're happy they wrote it. Ten years old, it's still cute. Mm-hmm. Eleven years old, it is less cute. And at 12 years old, it becomes distinctly not cute. Mm-hmm. And then around 13, if it's persisting, this kind of awkwardness, Mm -hmm. it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, you know, thinking about this a lot. Very, very often uh, someone would come up to me at a conference or a talk or something and say, well, you know, we've been using your writing program for a year now, and I'm a little worried about my my daughter's writing because I I don't know. It's just just a bit awkward. (laughs) Right? And my question, of course, is how old is this child? And usually the answer is something around, well, um, she just turned 12. Okay, stop. 
Let us think about 12-year-olds. They look awkward. They move awkwardly. They talk awkwardly. They feel awkward. Mm -hmm. They actually feel awkward about feeling awkward. Mm -hmm. Everything about them is a bit awkward. Mm -hmm. It would actually be normal for their writing to be a bit awkward. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think this concern that parents have comes from two sources mm -hmm. and kind of converges on them right around the same time. The first source would be the fact that kids have to grow up and they go from being cute children to being adults. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, there's some rough spots yes. and there's some clear awkwardness. And oftentimes, uh, the, the, the speaking and writing is a bit confused, but you don't want to acknowledge it and they don't want to acknowledge it really because, let's face it, every 13-year-old in the world, their full-time job is to convince you that they are older than they actually are. Mm -hmm. They are trying to grow up as fast as possible. So they, they try to make you think that they're all grown up. And if that were true, then they shouldn't be writing in the less mature and awkward way. But they are. So there's a dissonance there. Sure, right? sure. Uh, a, a frustration. And... Uh, I have had many, many experiences with my children and other people's children noticing that they have to go through this phase and then being around long enough to see them get to the other side of it. But when you think about it, a 13-year-old is a lot closer to being 10 than they are to being 18. Mm -hmm. It's right? true. Yeah. In, in many, many ways. And, and I have a plethora of stories I could tell, but probably the most dramatic one uh, I was uh, in Idaho at the time, and I had started a little group of kids who were all in the 12 to 14 range. That's mm -hmm. That was the age group. So super awkward age. <laughs> and there were boys and girls. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's maybe 10 or 11 of them. And I was mm -hmm. just teaching in the, you know, the big room in my home. Mm -hmm. And I was early on in my kind of IEW teaching writing career. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was, you know, doing things and I was, for the most part, getting really good results. Mm -hmm. I was super pleased. A couple of the high talent kids were just producing such excellent stuff. And I was, you know, working the band words list and I was teaching through the units and I was really, I felt like I was really starting to understand what I was doing in, a, in the best way I had so far. Mm -hmm. But I had one child in this class. Timothy was his name. And he was on the younger side. I think when the class started, he mm -hmm. was 12. Mm -hmm. And I would say pretty much everything he wrote was incomprehensible to mm -hmm. me. I would read the words he had written, and I would not understand what he was trying to say. And I would try everything I could. I would even, you know, sit with him afterwards a little mm. bit and say, just tell me what you're trying to say. And he really couldn't even do that. Mm. And, you know, it was frustrating, especially once we got off the, you know, unit one and two, and the kids are having to more rely on constructing, uh, you know, sequences of ideas and sentences on their own. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, I had this group of kids for two years. Mm -hmm. and, and by the end of the second year, I thought, 
he he's just doesn't get it. He just is not going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't bat a thousand, you yeah. know. Well, and he wasn't terribly happy about being there because he didn't like the subject mm-hmm. of writing at all. And he was in this, you know, I'm going to be mean to girls stage, mm-hmm. and so there was this, you know, social ugliness on the edges of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I did my best to navigate through and be cheerful and help him and give him pointers and discipline. But overall, when that two years ended and that class kind of disbanded, I just thought, well, can't win them all. Can't win them all. Mm -hmm. And who knows what's going to happen to him. Hmm. So I lived in that town two more years, Mm a little over. And then we decided to move to California. And word got around, you know, the church community, you know, that we're going to move to California. And so he calls me up. Now he's 17. Okay. Right? And he calls me up and says, hey, Mr. Pudo, I heard you guys are moving to California. Could could uh, I come and talk to you for a minute? I'm like, sure. Come on over. So he shows up at the door and comes in. And uh, he says, well, I wanted to do two things. One is I wanted to kind of apologize because I think when I was in your writing class a few years ago, I was maybe not very polite or nice, and I'm really sorry. But, wow. Phew, Hey, wow. Water under the bridge. I'm yeah. sure I was just as bad at that age. But, mm-hmm. but then he had this um, envelope, a manila envelope. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I've been writing this thing, and I was wondering if you could take a look at it. And I opened it up. There was like t- 20 pages or something. Wow. And and I said, well, I'm not sure right now. And he goes, no, 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 no. Here's my email address. And if you um, have any suggestions or anything, you know, I'd really be grateful and um, goodbye. Okay, so he leaves, and I'm curious. Mm-hmm. So I start reading this thing, and the most amazing things happen. Number one, it made sense. Oh, nice. With very few technical errors. Mm. And then the most incredible thing happened. When I got to the end of the first page, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to read on. <laughs> That's knowing you like I do. I know how remarkable that is. This was evidently I was reading chapter one of some kind of medieval mm. adventure novel romance or something. Mm-hmm. I was actually kind of in disbelief because I thought three years ago this kid couldn't string three sentences together that made sense at all. Mm-hmm. And this is actually pretty good. Wow. And so I called his mom. <laughs> I mm-hmm. did. I, I said, um, you know, Tim came over and he showed me this thing he's been writing and I was pretty impressed. He goes, oh, it's just so wonderful. You know, things just kind of clicked for him. I don't Mm. know, about about six months or a year ago, things just clicked. And I'm sure, you know, your writing class was such a help to him. And I'm thinking, my writing class had nothing to do with this. This is miraculous intervention. (laughs) You know, this is divine assistance. This is. But since that time, I have had enough experiences similar to that to realize that, yes, the kids grow up, they go through that awkward phase, and everything does start to click. Mm -hmm. And all the seeds that were planted, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't seem to be sprouting at the time, Mm -hmm. gave gave a a fertile or a foundation that did bloom in its time. Right. And um, I actually bumped into him on LinkedIn a few years ago. Oh, really? Is he a published author? (laughs) <laughs> he, he does something in environmental science and mm. engineering that's mm-hmm. very important sounding and sophisticated, <laughs> and he's got several research papers wow. 
So, you know, he made it all the way up through, I mm-hmm. believe, a master's mm-hmm. uh, in a, a technical area. But, of course, writing is, is critical. Definitely, so yeah. I just thought, well, that's, that's a good one. The, uh, the other thing I, I fear that a lot of parents um, start to experience more intensely as children enter that, you know, teenage high school mm-hmm. a- area is there's a stronger need to compare children based on age because everything is grade. Sure. You know, and of course, you've heard me say grade level doesn't really mean anything anymore except you happen to be an approximate age. Right. But people are very concerned mm-hmm. that their children are... At or above grade at level. At or above grade level. So right. they'll, they'll come up and they'll say things like, well, you know, we just pulled our kids out of school. We've been homeschooling for the rest of this school year. But mm-hmm. I'm a little worried, you know, about my fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. child. I think she's a little behind. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my response would be, Behind whom? What's your reference for comparison? We really don't have clear or useful standards when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. We've tried. We've had state standards and common core standards mm-hmm. and, you know, all these different iterations. But the problem is, is if you have standards that are clear, what happens when people don't meet the standard? Well, you either have to decide to fail a child, which we don't want to hurt their souls, or you change the standard. Right. Or you make it a little bit more nebulous so you can't really figure out whether or not... Exactly. So you can either lower or you can vegify. Vegify. my new word for the day. (laughs) You can make vaguer the standard. So it's very hard to say, did someone actually do that or not? Mm -hmm. And that's what everyone wants, but our system doesn't allow for it Mm -hmm. now. Our school system. Yeah, just our whole educational mentality doesn't allow for it. Mm -hmm. So how how do we deal with this? Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember one incident in particular. I was in, uh, I think it was Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and I'd been in a big, I did a big plenary address, 1,000 people or something, and I came out, and uh, this woman kind of stalked me for a while, and then she grabbed me, and she said, Mm -hmm. oh, Mr. Puto, I'm dying to ask you a question. Shoot. And she said, what would you expect from an eighth grader in writing? Wow. So I know nothing about this child, boy, girl, Mm -hmm. strong reader, Mm -hmm. not strong reader, nothing about their personality. Right. Homeschooled all the way, came out of a school. Mm -hmm. I know nothing except this child is approximately 13 years old. And I was tempted for a moment. Hmm. I was tempted to say, well, I think an eighth grader should be able to write a six or seven paragraph expanded essay with an introduction that has a good attention getting device, gives appropriate background information, would have a thesis or a question if appropriate, and enumerate the topics. Then, of course, there would be four or five body paragraphs, each of which would have a topic sentence and a clincher sentence that repeat or reflect two to three key words. Each would contain six or seven appropriate, well selected details. And then, of course, a conclusion that would restate the topics, reiterate the thesis, and then choose something to amplify by saying what's most important and why. And I would expect a good wide vocabulary use of uh, strong verbs and quality adjectives, as well as some uh, varied grammatical constructions such as phrases, clauses, and participles, and uh, the judicious use of an occasional literary decoration sprinkled therein. 
And if your eighth grader can't do that, well, I would recommend already. <laughs> yeah, because what you just described is a unit eight. Yeah. With, uh, I mean, I was yeah. tempted to be opportunistic, <laughs> but that wasn't the right answer. And I thought for a minute, I think I, I maybe like said a little prayer, you know, what should, what does this woman need to hear from me? Mm-hmm. And what I ended up saying to her is, well, I would expect an eighth grader to do his or her best, no more and no less, because nothing else makes sense. It doesn't make sense to expect someone to do more than their best because nobody can do that. And it doesn't make any sense to expect someone to do less than their best because if that's what you expect, that's probably what you'll get. So you always expect people to do their best knowing that they will not succeed all the time. Mm -hmm. We all have bad days. We all throw in the towel once in a while. We all get frustrated and, you know, slam something and and give up or come back later. Mm-hmm. And kids are just the same. But she had an expectation that this child, based on age, should be able to do a certain writing task. Mm-hmm. And if that child couldn't do that, well, then she would, you know, feel, oh, no, I'm failing. I'm behind. Right. I try to help people understand writing is like playing a musical instrument in many ways. It's Mm -hmm. a skill. We've talked about that before. It's Mm -hmm. something you do to learn. And it's a pathway. Exactly. And there's, it's not a race Mm -hmm. and there's no terminus. Uh, There's no point at which you say, I am now a perfect violinist. I mean, you could say I play the violin as well as I want to, and I'm not going to try any harder. Mm -hmm. Right. But one of the great things about being a music teacher is I have this perspective that's different than we get in schools and the common grade-based educational paradigm. Mm-hmm. One of the things I note is it doesn't matter when you start. You can start playing the violin at 4 or 8 or 14 or 40. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you do start. Right. Yep. Another thing is I don't compare children based on age. I don't say, well, you know, this child is 10 years old and, you know, she's on the second piece in book three, but this child is 10 years old and he's only on the first piece in book two, so she's ahead and he's behind. Mm-hmm. That That is never a thought that enters my mind because all the variables are different. Right. They may have started at a different time. They may have better coaching at home. They may have better genetic aptitude to music. They right. may have coordination issues that give them an advantage or make it harder. Right. And, and – so it's never where, you know, a person is ahead of someone else. You are where you are. Right. You know, you're on a path. You're climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter who's ahead or behind you. What matters is that you always take the next step. Yep. And I think that's very freeing. If parents can look at that and then apply that to other skills, particularly ones that we associate with things you have to do in school, reading, writing, and arithmetic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and say – Okay, it doesn't matter, you know, where he is compared to other children his age. What matters is where is he now compared to where he was? Exactly. Yep. Is progress happening? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, I think, is a freeing concept mm-hmm. and uh, really helps us then avoid falling into the trap of either expecting a child to be, you know, more mature, more uh, apt than they are mm-hmm. because of some fears or concerns or hopes. 
And it frees us up from over-expectation by saying, oh, well, we're in nth grade, so we should have this expectation, right. which may or may not be reasonable. Right. And and that right there is why I love our system so much is you can kind of parachute in where, however old you are. If you mm-hmm. are a ninth grade student who's never been taught writing or they maybe they had that middle school teacher who did not know how to teach writing and now they're going into high school, how do you teach them how to write? No problem. Right. We can teach them that that assignment, not that assignment, but those skills that you enumerated, you know, that you were thinking that maybe you would share with that mother. That's that is exactly what we teach and children can learn that. And and there's a pathway to get there. Exactly. And right. you don't just drop in no. you know, with <laughs> what I described. No. Just because you have a thirteen year old. You right. you walk the path to get yep. there. Yep. I and, always, it, and it goes around the mountain. So you're gonna hit yeah. that every year. Yeah. Yep. The the cyclical nature of it. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. And I always say essentially we teach the same things to second graders Mm -hmm. as we do to graduate students. Right. What differs, of course, is Mm -hmm. the sophistication of the source text and the ideas. Right. As well as the speed of walking the pathway. Right. The speed of, you know, a young child just doesn't walk as fast as an older one. Exactly. Uh, So you can go faster. So that's great. Right. But honestly, I've had, you know, teachers, adults, I've had college students observe a middle school writing class, mm-hmm. even an introductory writing class where mm-hmm. all I show is a basic keyword outline and a simple dress-up checklist and tell me afterwards, wow, I think I learned something I can actually use in my In my own life. writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we, we know that the path works. Yep. And uh, what's kind of fun, of course, is to hear the stories mm-hmm. of the parents who had the concerns or doubts during that kind of sensitive period. Only now their kids are in college, graduate school, working, being very successful, and they can look back and say, "Aha! Yep. You know, it worked. Right. Uh, we we walked the path, and they got an A on all their papers in college or whatever." Yep. And I wanted to mention one more thing before we wrap this up, and that is, if you have a student who is maybe. Maybe they are truly reading at a high school level and they're third grade. It would still be better to err on the easier, lower level for a couple reasons. One, we want them to have success. Mm -hmm. We want them to enjoy it. But also, our high school content is age appropriate. We probably don't want a third grader writing about, oh, Caesar and the Pirates and how he got kidnapped <laughs> oh, and some no. of the antics. That's a great story for third graders. I don't think that's okay for third graders, oh, nor no. is the uh, Mary Margaret Roper and the beheading of her father. Well, See, yeah, that's a little grisly. This is a high school level course. The, and, but, yeah. you know, the other thing, to the reason to err on the side of keeping it a little simpler or slower, mm-hmm. think back on this climbing the mountain paradigm. Yeah. Right? You go too fast – in a short period of time, what mm-hmm. happens? You're you're burnt out. You're tired. You, you get tired. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you pace yourself mm-hmm. and stop every now and then, mm-hmm. smell the flowers and enjoy the view, right? You still make progress. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's no terminus and there's no deadline, right? You you will be where you are. Yep. When you finish your quote school years and hopefully continue walking that path 
in different ways afterwards. So this is, of course, the last of our four deadly errors. What admonitions do you have to teachers and teaching parents about trying to avoid any one of these four deadly errors? Well, just keep an eye out for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you tend to notice if you or someone is overcorrecting. So you go back and say, okay, we're not correcting, we're editing. Let's take a little bit more minimalist approach. Let's um, fix what makes it legal but not good. Mm-hmm. And let it let it be what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then awkward it, or not? Yeah, awkward or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then withholding help. Uh, you you have to walk that balance between helping, which is when a child communicates either explicitly or implicitly, I need help in order to be successful here, mm-hmm. or meddling, mm-hmm. where you are getting involved, offering help where it's not actually wanted or needed. Mm-hmm. So you walk that balance mm-hmm. and catch yourself on one side or the other and moderate. Mm-hmm. The, the virtue is always in the balance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Unclear assignments, um, boy, if you do our stuff, mm-hmm. that is not a problem you're going to have. Um, and I think what students gain from several years of experience with structure and style is this repertoire of ways to think about so that if they do go off and take a class, like a dual enrollment in high school or college Mm -hmm. or online class from someone else, and they get an assignment, they can say, oh, okay, this model Mm -hmm. will work for that. Mm -hmm. And I'll use this checklist that I know how to do, Mm -hmm. and it'll work for that. And then they do someone else's less clear assignment and do very well on it. And then, of course, over-expectation, just remember, relax. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Well, thank you, Andrew. This has been very helpful. We're done with the four deadly errors. Yep. What's next? We shall see. (laughs) Until then, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.